Welcome to Texans Unfiltered. Here we go, here we go! A Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. All right, guys, welcome to another edition of Texans Unfiltered, a Houston football podcast for your Houston Texans. I am Young Ari Gold, and I'm joined, as usual, by my friend and co-host, John Wade, the Garnet Texan. And, John, how you doing this week? I'm doing better than, than a lot. And just trying to always keep that in perspective, especially uh, with this time and place. Um, I'm safe up here in my home, and, you know, my heart goes out to everybody out there on the streets right now because... We're with you. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so real quick, just a quick update before we get into everything else. Um, uh, the decision, I, I made a decision, and I meant to tell John, but I don't really need to because I know he's going to be 100% on board with it, so it's really not that big of a deal. But uh, Preston, this will be news to you. Um, we will be donating any revenue from Patreon, um, TexansUnfiltered.com, YouTube, Anything and everything that we get revenue from, our hats will be live in the next two weeks. All of the profit from that will be donated to a foundation. We have not decided which foundation yet, but it will go towards um, everything that that pretty much black people are going through right now. And uh, as you guys know, you guys know me well enough to know that uh, the challenges and things that they're facing in this country and the the social injustice that are happening happening right now... um, very near and dear to my heart, and uh, it's not something that we're okay with, and uh, we will continue to stand and and be allies for our brothers and sisters in this country who are facing social injustice, and one of the ways that we can help is by taking that next step and that next action by not just tweeting something out, not just by uh, formally saying what our support is, but by putting our money where our mouth is and donating to a cause that could potentially help out people that need it more than we do. So, Um, At the end of the month, uh, all of June, any revenue. So if you join Patreon uh, this month, all of that money will be going towards a foundation. We will keep you guys updated, and we will supply everybody with proof that all of the revenue and profit will be donated to a foundation. We are not sure which, but we will find one, and uh, we will make it happen. So I just wanted to send prayers out to everybody that is going through what they're going through as a country. Uh, people, culture, all of that stuff. Um, we are standing by your side 100%, and we will do everything we can to support you guys. So, uh, all right, with that being said, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at IamYoungAriGold. You can follow Jordan tex- at Texans underscore thoughts, and you can follow Dylan at Texans underscore draft. Make sure that you guys head out to our Patreon. That's patreon.com backslash Texans Unfiltered. We recently revamped our Patreon. Uh, we've had a couple supporters already added. It was really awesome to see some of the $50 Patreons come our way. Shout out to Alex Patel, uh, our, all our other Patreons, Cody Adler, JB Buffbell, uh, Chad Widmer. Um, and hold on, i got to find it because there was a list and it is gone now. Where did it go? We're missing one. Now i got to log into Patreon. Um But, yeah, if you guys go to Patreon.com, you guys will see um, everything that we're doing right now. I mean, we're really making it a point. Oh, our newest one, Airjo, Brian, Alex. So just everybody, thank you so much for all of the Patreons, everybody's support. It's it's just amazing to see that you guys are willing to support us the way that you you guys have. So um, we'll continue to... 
uh, give you guys the top-notch content that we can. Uh, Nacho Debro, obviously. Uh, so Riejo Alamartin, thank you. Uh, these are our newest Patreons. So make sure you guys go to patreon.com backslash Texans Unfiltered to check out our Patreon and see what we're doing. Also, thank you to our anchor supporters, Ryan Reyna and Black Swan. Thank you, guys. We appreciate it. Um, quick COVID-19 update, John. I mean, we're, we're, I mean, we're kind of uh, – what's going on, Skater G, Sergio, Alex? Uh, Giovanni, Pete, nice to see you guys. Um, COVID-19 update, anything new for you, John? Um, no. Um, again, me and my family are relatively blessed. Um, we're still working. However, just kind of a reminder, we are all about supporting local businesses. Um, if you need help, you think a shout-out or would help in any form or fashion, just reach out to us. We will definitely we'll definitely do it. Uh, Houston or Austin, um, so Round Rock, Houston, you know, that whole massive area, just pretty much anywhere, you know, in the real parts of Texas, um, <laughs> yeah. everywhere but yeah. Dallas, I guess. You know what? Even if, if somebody in Dallas listens to us, we'll help you out too, you know? Mm, we'll think about it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> um, not much, but it's what we can do. Yeah, no, absolutely. And shout out to Last Stand Hats, Mike over there at Last Stand Hats. Uh, we're super excited to see what our hats look like in the next two weeks. Um, and we just love that you're a local business here in Austin that me and John know. Uh, we love what you guys stand for. We uh, salute and stand by you as well and everything that you guys believe is happening So, uh, and standing behind all that. So thank you. Um, all right, another thing, uh, merchandise update real quick since we were talking about Last Stand Hats. Our hats are in production. They will be out within the next two weeks. We also have four pieces of merchandise that are currently being created. Um, not going to tell you exactly what those are, but we do have um, uh, some really cool shirts coming that are going to be for you guys to uh, look and see on the website, and then you guys can purchase. So we'll give you guys updates once we see the final images and things of that nature, uh, but just wanted to give you guys a quick update on that. All right. Um, announcement, five minutes, cultural update. I'm assuming that's what Preston put in, and if I had to guess, that has to do with kind of what we've already touched on. As uh, we, I, I think. I, th- I think that's where he was. He was yeah. That. Yeah, and uh, and thank you for putting that in as a touch point code or uh, Preston. I really appreciate it. Um, yeah, I mean, if you guys have listened to the show long enough, I think you guys have an understanding of where we stand with things. Um. So, yeah. If you don't, it shouldn't be a surprise. Yeah, it shouldn't be a surprise. That's for that's for sure. So, um, all right, Texans. A couple news. of white guys podcasting. I mean, seriously. <laughs> like we're just we're, we're short our years, but but you know, <laughs> you should know where we kind of stand on, on this. Absolutely. Um, should I tell them the other news now, or should we wait a little bit? Let's wait a little bit. Okay. Yeah, let's that wait works. a little bit. A little bit of a teaser. Yeah. Um, not related to news or breaking news or anything like that. More more of me personally. Uh, all right. So let's get into some Texans news because there's quite a bit going on in the world of the Texans right now. Um, most recent news. And we're going to bring our guy in here a little early instead of making him just sit there and wait and he can come back and join us. But Patty Storm. Hi. Okay. Look at that. Hello. That's a, now that's a dope background. That's a dope background. You like that one? I like that one. I like that one a lot. Yeah, that one's dope. That's a good-looking one. Um, he's not in his helicopter anymore. Now he's actually in the stands. Yeah. You're, you're there with the fans where you belong, you know, instead of being up in the rafters with Toro before he jumps down. Um, right. 
So the news on Timmy Jernigan right now is that uh, he is not going to be joining the team. Um, I'll hand it over to you as to kind of what happened and kind of let you take it from there, and we'll, we'll just kind of discuss it. So they agreed to the deal in principle back in April, um, and he was cleared by the doctors. It wasn't a failed physical or anything like that. The team and him have just decided to um, – go their separate ways. Uh, the Texans are looking other directions right now as far as help on the defensive line. You okay there? <laughs> there was a, there was a uh, mosquito, and I've never seen a mosquito in my house, and it bothers me because they like to bite me. So, anyways, continue. Sorry, sorry. Um, so, guys like Everson Griffin and there's a few others, Mike Daniels um, and Damon Harrison are possible. And a lot of people have been asking one other name that keeps getting brought up, um, and that is Jadavian Clowney. And the only thing that I've been told um, by someone that I was in communication with last year, right before the trade happened, um, that has a very good sense of what's happening in his world, is that it's not out of the question. Now, whether the Texans feel that it's an option He's yet to be seen. Um, still waiting on word for that, but um, he'd be open to it. His family still lives here. Um, he still works out here on the regular. Um, he's in town right now, so um, uh, Clowney could be an option if the Texans decide to go that route. Um, so we've seen him turn down deals from Cleveland. We saw him kick Miami to the curb last year. So he's being very selective on who he wants to play for. He's done some flirting yeah. with Tennessee. He has some, some flirting with Philly. Tennessee. Um, Tennessee really just doesn't – I don't think that's really going to be an option for him. I don't know if they see him as a fit. I know Vrabel would love to have him, but I just don't think it makes sense in the long term for them. So that's just my opinion on him in Tennessee. But I don't know. I think him coming to Houston would be – um, incredible. I think coming back to Houston would be incredible. But as, as far as depth, um, they're pretty deep at that position right now. With One with having Jacob Martin. Um, you've got guys like Duke Echafor, uh David Bellamy, Devin Bellamy that are, was on the practice squad last year for a little bit and spent some time in uh, Cincinnati. Um, he's back now. So they're deep at that position. Brandon Scarlett, but Jonathan Grenard. Brandon Scarlett, yeah. But, yeah, exactly. So, they, you know, they spent a third-round draft pick on someone. Um, and so he he's definitely an option, but does it make sense for them would be uh, would be the question that they would have to answer. I think that if they went after him, it would be a signal that they were going to more of like a 4-3 as a base. Um, granted, I'm sitting there and I was looking at the weight or kind of everybody's, like, measurements on what our defensive line could potentially look like if we brought back Connie. Because right now there's um, – there's somebody should make a picture of Connie just, like, smoking. Because there's a lot of smoke, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Um, like, he – from – I don't even know how the best way to phrase it, but it's I've heard very something very similar that Pat has. It's like, he would love to stay in Houston. Um, he put roots down down here, and he never really thought that he was going to leave. Um, and he has no issues with the coaching staff. He's kind of, like, neutral on the coaching staff. 
that he would like to stay in the city. But if you play with, like, the defensive line, we wouldn't have anybody big enough to continue to play the 3-4. Except maybe Dunn. And that's it, by himself. So one zero tech. So you would have to kind of, you could do all sorts of fr- all sorts of fun and interesting fronts with the guys that we would have on the roster. Could you imagine um, having both Charles Menehue and and JD lined up on the line at the same time? Of course, with Watt, all three of them can play inside or outside on a 4-3 base. Um, you could actually expand it out to a 5-2 and put uh, Cunningham, and you'd have to have Cole out there because McKinney can't cover enough to do a 5-2, but a lot of different things that could be absolutely front, a lot of fun with that defense front. Yeah, I think uh, kind of the, the possibilities are kind of endless. Um, I, I, I just can't see us switching to a 4-3 now with Weaver, uh, given his background and what he he's played as as a player and his influence from Rex Ryan. Rex Ryan is known for a 3-4 defense. That's all he's ever ran. So, um, you know, we've 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 seen him make it work before, so it'll be interesting to see if that's always you know if that's a ch- if there's a chance that something like that happens. Um, yeah, so uh, awesome. All right, and Pat, why don't we while we have you on, why don't we talk a little bit about the the cap restrictions that you were mentioning earlier this week when we were talking on Slack? I saw it from uh, Adam Schefter uh, about a month ago talking about the the NFL is planning on potentially seeing a decrease in $30 million per team for the for the cap. Um, can you talk a little bit about kind of what you're hearing on that? Yeah, so the teams were kind of notified um, that it's definitely a potential uh, scenario that they will have to face next season um, should stadiums only be allowed at 25% capacity um, with, with everything going on with COVID and stuff like that. Um, so the teams are going to have to explore this idea that next year they may have to reduce their salary by $30 million. Um, and so when you look at some, a team like the Texans and some of the aging veterans and stuff like that, um, there could be some very interesting moves that they have to make in order to get below the, you know, the salary cap. Um, but another obstacle they've got to overcome would be Deshaun Watson's contract moving forward too. So I think it's, the Texans are going to be in a really tough spot if that was to happen. Um, a lot of teams will be naturally because, you know, $30 million is a lot to have to shave off of your salary cap. Um, so I think it'll be, uh, it'll be pretty interesting to see how that happens. Now, of course the NFLPA and the league have to agree on this. This isn't something that the league can just say, Hey, by the way, we're going to, you know, force teams to shave $30 million in salary. Um, it's a very similar situation that the MLS is facing right now, that the MLB is facing right now. The players just aren't going to say, okay, yeah, go ahead and cut salaries. It's just not going to happen. It's, it's what happens when you have a union. Um, there has to be an agreement between both sides. So um, we very well could see some you know pushback from the players next year. Yeah, no. I mean, it makes sense. Anytime a business, uh, you know, sees negative, you know, negative impacts on the bottom line, the first thing to be cut is the labor. And it's just typically how businesses work, and it's no different in the NFL. And I think from a business perspective, it makes sense. Now, I think Cody brought up a good point when we were in the Slack talking about the quality of product. 
uh, potentially being impacted. But I don't know if $30 million would impact the product quality enough to where people would really watch. Uh, I just don't. I mean, $30 million is not enough. Um, but it's interesting when you think about this. I mean, 25%. I mean, you're you're cutting you're cutting the revenue. I mean, you're you're literally cutting the revenue in 70 by 75%. I mean, that's a ton of money. Uh, I yeah. think I think each team looks like they can lose anywhere from 220 to 300 million dollars next season. Um, you know, you times that by 32 teams, and you're way past one billion. So yeah, it's a lot of money for sure. It's a lot. But, of money. And another thing teams are going to, um, the league's going to look into is the potential of keeping everything the same. The salary cap just doesn't go up. Um, and this is all going to depend on the, uh, the TV deal. If the TV deals that they're approaching uh, work out right, they may just um, allow the teams to stay where they're at. And, you know, they just don't increase the salary cap for next season. And then the year after that, it goes up. So there's a number of different scenarios that are being discussed right now, and obviously we're we're months away from anything. We got the league is supposed to start up in September. Uh, well, games are supposed to start in September. Uh, camp they're targeting for next month, so we've got we got time. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I do think that there's enough time though to uh, to be able to figure out what you know, potentially a full stadium could look like for the rest of the teams. Um, you know, maybe it won't be right off the gate, right out the gate, but I do think it'll be something that potentially could happen as the season continues on. So, um, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but all right, Pat. Well, thank you so much, sir. We look forward to talking to you soon uh, as we enter the courtroom. Uh, we will we will see you in about 20 minutes. Cool. All right, that is uh, your favorite Texans insider, Patrick Storm, obviously. Uh, all right, so lots of things going on. Um, we, you know, with Tim Jernigan, it, it's interesting with him not being here. Um, you know, I really like the signing of Jernigan. You know, I saw a lot of different things regarding how he would play, you know, potentially play inside, play outside. He, he really gave you a ton of versatility on the defensive line. Uh, but I, I found it more interesting that he was potentially going to play defensive end. I wonder if maybe more of Ross Blacklock playing on the end is kind of why they were like, eh, maybe we'll just roll with Ross. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's just kind of interesting. Yeah, it's kind of, uh, I mean, I think Jernigan would have been a, a great, great fit. Um, I was actually excited about that signing. Um, it did a lot for the defensive line. And I wonder who they're after. They've got to be pretty close to somebody. There's got to be some movement with whomever they're, they're looking at bringing in, or I don't think this happens, um, especially because if they had a handshake agreement. I mean, that's kind of poor form, to tell you the truth. It's like, hey, you've got a contract, and <laughs> never mind. Um, but Pat said it was mutually agreed upon, so maybe there was a little bit of back and forth, and they started talking about his role a little bit more. And he was even like, you know, maybe not. Yeah, I wonder, though, also if, you know, we're sitting at $20 million in cap space right now. I wonder if maybe they're just looking to roll that $20 million over to next year to offset the potential loss of the $30 million. That is true, too. Um, I mean, the Texans have, for the past couple of years, continuously rolled cash over. 
um, Texans cap every year. If you don't follow him on Twitter, I always I drop a plug on him because he knows way more about cap economics than I ever can. And he always talks about cash on hand with the Texans, and they're one of the franchises that always maintains cash on hand, and they roll it over year after year. They're not as concerned about hitting the salary cap as actually maintaining the cash they have on hand. Yeah. It's also interesting, though, when you add in the fact of the restructuring of Zach Fulton, and then you add this in, usually when there's something, when these types of things happen, that usually means that there's a player to be added. Uh, It doesn't, usually you don't see stuff like that happen and them just want to roll it over. Um, Usually it's to make move, make enough room to sign somebody else. So, you know, with them restructuring Zach Fulton, giving him some guaranteed money this year, uh, and him staying, you know, basically they they basically extended his his deal another year as well. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's a good chance that something could happen with Fulton and, um, I mean, there's a good chance that there could be another player brought in. Sorry about that. That's That would make the most sense. Um, the moves that they made were entire, entirely to clear cap space. And right now when we're talking about 18 to 20 million, we're taking this with the assumption that um, that they're looking at business as almost business as normal, I would say. Um, they're still trying to put the most competitive team they can put out this year. It would be a little odd to kind of get ahead of the curve trying to save money because that puts you at a a competitive disadvantage. And the one thing that we can all agree on about Bill O'Brien is I don't think that he's going to do anything that gives up a competitive advantage for the future. Or he wouldn't give anything up for today to strengthen his future. He is all about being as competitive as he can right now. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It, it's going to be very interesting to see. All right, let's get to, and while we do this, let's bring in Jordan, cause, and, and just an impromptu. Hi, Jordan. How you guys doing? Good. How are you? Uh, as I'm you guys good. know. everything for his call up. Yeah, I just saw him. I saw him waiting in the wing, <laughs> and he looked open for a three, so I thought I'd bring him in here. And just He was moving off the ball. I saw him. I just figured I'd hit him with the pass. Considering we're going to be talking about his favorite player, I thought it would just make the most sense. But, Jordan, tell me a little bit about, you know, Friday we we watched the Sean Seahawks game, but the first 20 minutes of that conversation was all about a particular player and the potential comeback of this one player. And I just thought it was fitting to have the conversation with you about potentially bringing back Jadavian Clowney. Can you talk a little bit about your feelings, your emotions, and what he would what he would bring to this team immediately? Yeah, I, honestly, I wish we recorded that first 20 minutes. I think that would have been great. Our reactions to hearing the rumors and everything was really great. Um, but for me, getting Clowney back on the team would just be it would be like a Christmas. Like Christmas wouldn't have to come next year. This year, it, it would be okay. Like. Clowney comes, that's fine. I don't need no presents for the next 10, 15 years. I'm good. He is, he's been my my favorite player ever since he joined the, the Texans. His potential is just through the roof. And I think what frustrates me the most is that people don't see his talent translating to the field. And so I'm, just, I'm always going to defend him. He's always going to be my guy. And so if he does come, I would just love for him to prove all the haters wrong. Prove all the people who say, oh, he only got three sacks last year. He's never had double-digit sacks. I just... It would make my day, it would make my year if he could prove them all wrong. I need it to happen at this point. I've gotten myself too hyped up over it. 
uh, if it doesn't happen now, I'm going to be disappointed. I built it all up. I shouldn't have done it. I knew I shouldn't have done it, but... Little do, little do people know, the first question we ask when you apply for Texans Unfiltered is, what is your opinion on Jadavian Clowney? First question. <laughs> and, yeah, that is the question. Oh, <laughs> we are all big, big fans of Clowney. Um, it's my birthday this week, so I'm, I'm, that would be the best birthday present ever. I've now only missed one season out of his last, I don't know, eight seasons of playing football in any form or fashion because he played for the Seahawks last year, but always watched him in South Carolina, always watched him. In Houston, I would be the happiest. Oh, we still can't curse. Uh, I would be the happiest. I'd be the happiest little boy on my birthday if we got cloudy this week. I really would. Yeah, I mean, I think you know this. The listeners know exactly how we feel about uh, particular number ninety. Um, excuse me. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, I would love to bring him back. You know, just the fact that there's an opportunity, there's a chance. You know, with him, there's a lot of smoke. There's a lot of smoke, and with him, you know, being at the Methodist Training Center and meeting with medical and his house staying here and his wife and and kiddo staying here while he was in Seattle and you know, you know, the turndown of the Cleveland uh, deal, um, you know, just all of it. It's just like you just have to wonder. Is there really a chance that something like this happens? And I, I think a lot of people assume that there's no way, uh, but I actually, I, I don't know. I think, I think that there is. I think that there's a, a way that it actually happens, and I wouldn't be surprised. And I think that he makes this defense literally, uh, a, you know, a, a top 12, 13. I'd, uh, potentially a top 10 defense with just Jadavian Clowney on the field. I really honestly believe that. And and a lot of it has to do with the fact that his ability to line up wherever, cause chaos anywhere on the, on the, on the defensive line and what it would do for the, for the safeties and, and the secondary. And the, to me, that's like, that's probably the part for me that is the best aspect of this is the secondary is going to flourish with the addition of Jadavian Clowney. Well, you just, I- you know, I would give anything to see Clowney and Martin on the field at the same time together. <laughs> uh, Clowney with his speed just wrecking people and Martin with his agility plus speed. Up behind that, dude. <laughs> it would be insane. I think you're exactly right, James. I think it would take your defense to another level. It's the piece we need on the D-line because he can line up on the edge or in the interior. I've been I've been mulling this over. I think if, if we do get Clowney, if Clowney comes back, we're going to the Super Bowl. I'm booking it. If it happens, that's how confident I would be. Booking it. Are you going to be there Booking with, it. with the tattoo already made? Yep. yep. Put it down. I like it. No, I, I agree. I, I just think that with Clowney, he just uh, – no, you're wrong. He has no problem with Bill O'Brien, Houston uh, FB, F-ball. Um, he's, uh, he has no, there's no issues with, with, with Bill O'Brien. Uh, I, can, I can literally go on record and say that that's not an issue. So um, – yeah, no, I, I think you know just his just what he brings to a defense and what he brings to a opposing team's game plan. The fact that they have to account for him. I mean, you could literally can line him up anywhere outside a corner. I mean, you could put him anywhere, and he's gonna make a play. Yeah, I was watching Mike before. Right, the middle line. Like, exactly. A yeah. lot. We've seen him at Mike a couple times. Yeah. 
a lot. I was watching the 2018 defense for um, for Justin Reed piece I'm going to put out next week, and man, it was nasty seeing Clowney literally line up anywhere. Yeah, he would blitz up the A-gap so much, and he would just wreck havoc. And the thing that I noticed is that he's the guy you have to game plan for. It's not merciless. It's not Watt. He was the guy who's getting double teams, getting triple teamed, getting chipped, whatever it was. He had the offensive offensive main attention. And so just the amount of attention that he can draw away from all of our other guys and adding another piece to our already pretty deep D-line, oh, man. Yeah, I I can only get I'm so here. happy. My eye. Uh, yeah. I'll I mean, cry. I'll, I'll do a live reaction if it comes across, like, the, the Texas oh. email, and I'll probably be crying. Yeah, no. I still have mm-hmm. both my South Carolina and Texas Clowney jersey. I, I I may strip into one and take the other one off and put it one on. It'll be a, it'll be a lot of happiness. Uh yeah, no, I I agree, and I think I think that there I I think that there's a chance. That's just me though. Um, there was a question here that I meant to answer, but there was a ton of comments, and I did, oh here we go. Uh, did y'all see any numbers on what Cleveland offered Clowney? From what I heard, I heard seventeen point five was what he turned down. So um. I didn't hear that they from a source I've offered heard. him exactly the contract that he wanted, and he still said no. Yep. Okay. Who wants to go play in Cleveland? No one. Exactly. Dude, you better pay me 25 mil to go play in Cleveland. Yeah. And Baker's my quarterback? <laughs> <laughs> There's a luxury tax after, for that, buddy. played with Deshaun, do you really want to walk into the same locker room with Baker? I mean, let's be honest with you. That'd be such a letdown. I'd be upset. That's why Clowney didn't want to go. It had nothing to do with Cleveland. It was just Baker. You know? You think? And then Miles Garrett, too? Come on, dude. You think he wants to have his his head swung at with a helmet? Come on, in practice? Nah. He's good. He's good. All right. Uh, well, we'll see what happens. I think we'll find out this week who the player will be. Uh, if it is Everson Griffin, I won't be disappointed. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be just as happy. Well, no, I won't be just as happy, just but, happy, but I will be happy. That will make me feel a lot better. Um, but Clowney is the guy. Clowny is the guy. And the most interesting aspect of this is I get to have two different Clowny jerseys now because he won't wear number 90. So what number Black will Black. he wear? You don't think he's going to kick out Black Lock? 97? Oh, 97 would be oh, nice. Oh, it is Blackson. You're right. Uh, Blackson would give it up. Ross Blacklock would move aside. He's a rookie. He's oh. not even a first round <laughs> Get him out of here. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. Oh, that's great. All right, are y'all ready to get into this? Let's get into the game. Let's bring in – well, go ahead, go ahead, Johnny boy. Let's bring in Cody and Pat. Oh, Cody oh, – yep, yeah, Pat. Oh, Cody's back at least. Hi there. Me. Pat's back. John, this is Call your guard thing. <laughs> Caught me off guard. Sorry. That's okay. We said All 940, right. but we're going to do 930. We're just we're, – we're a little bit quick tonight. Is y'all are just like hanging it. out. Y'all are ready? So what we're going to do is we're going to put Bill, on, Bill O'Brien on trial. Uh, James is a defender of Bill O'Brien. Jordan is not. So Jordan is going to be the prosecution. James is going to be the defense. Um, both Patrick and Cody are going to be our witnesses. Uh, we're going to give James opportunity to lead off with an opening statement, followed up by Jordan giving an opening statement. And then who wants Cody? Who wants Patrick? I'll take Cody. Okay, so James wow. will start with Cody. Jordan will get a, a chance to cross-examine. Let's go, Pat. Let's go. I just know right where Cody lies, and it aligns with my <laughs> And then James will do his closing statement, and Jordan will do his. Me, with the help of our of our chat, 
um, we'll decide who had the better argument. And we're going to try and put our biases away because we're really not going to do a great job of jury selection because I think actually y'all are probably pretty 50-50 right now on, on good old B.O.B. So let's start it off, James. What is your opening statement? Well, jurors, uh, I bring you here today. I appreciate you guys coming out during the pandemic, risking your lives, um, doing everything that you could to come out here and serve the people. Give them what they need. Give them the, def- the, the decision that is needed for them to sleep at night. Um, it's, it's, it's appreciated you guys are risking your life, and that's what we needed right now. When we look at Bill O'Brien, there's a couple different aspects that you have to look at. And I think, you know, is he fiery coach? Yes. Does he cuss out fans? Absolutely. But is he passionate? Does he love this city? Is he willing to do whatever it takes to win? Has he not won back-to-back AFC South championships, Brian? So we've seen what he's done with Deshaun Watson. We've seen him ship off that bum-ass wide receiver, DeAndre Hopkins, send him to Arizona. Okay, we saw him. We saw him. He, he, he saw it coming. He knew exactly what that wide receiver was and let him go. He didn't want that drama around. He didn't want an alpha male in the, in the locker room taking away from the message that he has. He knows that this team revolves around one player, and that one player is Deshaun Watson, and he empowered him. He didn't stand for any of the BS that was coming his way. He let Deshaun know ahead of time, hey, this is your team. You're going to win us the Super Bowl. You're going to take us to where we need to go. You go out and protest. You go put everything else out there. You're that guy. And because of that, you're the leader that Houston needs. And so who am I as a head coach to not best support you in the vision that you have? And I've done that. And I've given you the weapons to take care of your strengths, the deep ball, the middle of the field. I've added an offensive line. I've made it to where you can be comfortable in this offense. I've also promoted your guy, Tim Kelly. You've been banging that drum internally in the locker room for a long time. What else can I do to show the city of Houston that I'm the right head coach for this team? I've got goosebumps. Um, sorry, Jordan. Damn, I'm going partial. All right. So. I rest my case. <laughs> I can go then. <laughs> so, you know, James, he knows how to talk. He's a salesman. He knows how to butter you guys up, get real emotional with it. And, you know, I might not be as good at that, but I'm going to hit you with the cold, hard facts of why Bill O'Brien should be fired. So I've got three main reasons for you guys. For me, it starts with his lack of success. Now, in particular, playoff success. I think the number one thing you have to look at for a coach is results. Can they get results? Do they get the job done? Now, Bill O'Brien, he'll have you thinking that he does in the form of his four division titles. Great, back-to-back, whatever. But what has that really gotten us? It hasn't gotten us past the divisional round. I'll tell you that. He's led us to a 2-4 and four record in the playoffs with one of his wins coming against the Connor Cook-led Oakland Raiders and the other one just last year in the overtime against the Bills team that, you know, they were pretty solid, but they're not a contender or anything. And it was, it was a good win, I'll give him that. But 2-4 and four record, and you look at those losses, and there's just – there isn't even one that was – it kind of gave us a sense of hope at all. They were all ugly, 
blowout after blowout. It was not pretty. And that's just his results. He hasn't gotten the job done. So that's one thing. My next point is um, his inability to elevate the talent on the team. You know, at the end of the day, I just – I really don't think he's going to be the guy. <laughs> James, you can you can wait. You'll have your turn. Um, I just really don't think he's the coach to win us the Super Bowl. You know, he's not a Bill Belichick where he knows how to put players in their optimal position to succeed. He's not even a motivator like a Brian Flores who took the dumpster Dolphins into something somewhat competitive and playing hard. You know, he's someone who actually forces the players into his own system, whether they like it or not, unless your name's J.J. Watt, of course. But um, he's just he's not the coach for us. And my last point is not only is he a bad coach, but he's an awful GM. His emotional and short-sighted decisions are not good for the future of this Texans team. There's a long list of players that haven't gone along with Bill O'Brien, and that leads to him trading them for pennies on the dollar because he has no leverage in the situation. Now, the issue of value is one thing, but then there's also the inability to plan for the future. And I'm all for trading late-round picks for proven veterans, fourth, fifth, sixth-rounders, whatever. But what I'm not for is trading high-premium draft picks. You talk about two first-rounders for Tunsil, two second-rounders for Stills and Cooks, two third-rounders for Duke Johnson and Garyon Conley. Now, don't get me wrong, I love a lot of those players, and they bring value to the team. But the cost of what it takes them to get them, plus their upcoming contracts that we have to pay them, it all adds up really quick, and it's just not great for the future. You look at a team like the Los Angeles Rams and how they're in hell right now. They have no way to improve the roster. If this doesn't work out, if our quote-unquote win now doesn't win now, we're going to be right where they're at, right where they're at, not in a good position for the future. So those are my three main reasons um, for why I believe Bill O'Brien needs to be fired. I would like to make a counter-argument before we proceed to our closing arguments, please. You'll have your you'll have your guess. You should guess. Closing arguments is the time to answer uh, okay. to answer back towards that. All right, Jordan, would you want to go ahead and call your first witness? All right, I'm gonna have to call Patrick Storm to the stand. Patrick, can you? I'm gonna I'm gonna take a little different approach for this. What is your favorite Bill O'Brien move? <laughs> um. It's got to be Conley. Conley's the only thing so far that I, uh, well, Chicken Martin. Hey, okay, okay. That's torn torn between the two. I'm torn between the two, to be honest with you. Okay, so let me ask you, I'm going to show this where I can argue any point, that any positive point that you can talk about Bill O'Brien. That's where I'm taking this different approach. And so would you not have rather had Jadeveon Young Clowney on the team for last season? Would you not have rather had him play out that last season, be the generational talent that he is? He, he knows the system well. He's had proven success with us. He's, we needed pass rush last year. That was our number one need. And he would have had a big – as much as I love Jacob Martin, he would have had a bigger impact on the, on the team. He had a huge impact for the Seahawks. He had his career year winning with his pass rush, pass rush win rate. He was in the top ten in terms of win rate as well as double team rate. I just think Clowney is an insane player, and if you could have kept him, and instead of getting Martin or Conley, I just think that would have been a huge benefit for the team. True. But then if you you don't trade Clowney and get Jacob Martin for Cavius Mingo in that third-round pick, then you don't have <clears> – <throat> 
you have Vernon Hargraves playing on the outside at corner. Yeah, I can't read that. I can't. I just, I think, and it, I'm going to re- kind of hop over to the, the Hopkins trade um, and what they're doing. Instead of focusing on one generational talent, as you call them, you have you have talent in multiple spots that at around the same price, actually a lot less for Clowney, considering what he made compared to what Conley and compared to what Jacob Martin made last year. Um, you've got – you're spreading the wealth around. And I think that's kind of like, you know, that's the direction he's going. Um, so as much as I like Clowney, no. I don't think I would have rather had him on the the team over the guys that he had. Wow. Okay. Okay. Um, Jordan. Damn. I'm trying to I'm trying to turn everyone I'm trying to have the world against me and it's and it's okay. Um, so let me ask you another question. So you you mentioned that you wanted to bring up the Hopkins trade. Hmm. How can you? I just don't see how you can justify trading in my eyes the best wide receiver in the league, and then not only wanting to trade him, but not getting anything in return for it getting a simple second-round pick, and then David Johnson, who is an injury-prone, overpaid, hasn't had a good couple years in a while running back, has a massive contract, and is playing the position where running back, you can get great value later in the draft or for a veteran and free agent. Like Carlos Hyde just signed a really cheap deal. Having him back for another year would have been a great move for me. I don't know. I just Talk to me more about the Hopkins trade. Well, real quick, you, you mentioned Carlos Hyde. They offered Hyde a two-year, $10 million deal, and he turned it down. And then signs in Seattle for, what, $2.5 or $3 million? Maybe it was more. I don't remember exactly his, his totals. So they tried to keep Hyde. Um, yeah, I don't agree 100% with the Hopkins trade, but knowing what I know now and how things developed even before this offseason – um, I think it was the right move. I think with everything that was happening, um, the frustrations on both sides, that it was time to go their different directions. So I know there's kind of thoughts of maybe Nuke was kind of a cancer to the locker room. And don't you think it would take a good coach to be able to kind of mend that relationship, kind of fix whatever is wrong with that relationship and, and seeing that the fact that that didn't happen, wouldn't you speak to the fact that Bill O'Brien is not a very good coach? I think when you you look, I think Bill is more focused on the business side of things than he is the personal feeling side of things. Um, yeah, did his emotions kind of get the better of him maybe in this trade? Yeah. Um, could he have done a better job of appeasing Hopkins and trying to calm things down similar to what Atlanta did with Julio? Probably. Um I think he's just a no BS type of guy and he wants what he feels is best for the team and that's the way he went. Yeah, okay. So I can I can respect um someone having a vision, someone having a plan and wanting everyone on the same page of that. But what I can't kind of get behind is if you have this vision and it has no proven success whatsoever. I mean, getting to the playoffs is great, winning the division is great, but when we're talking about a division in the AFC South that has been 
one of the arguably the worst division since Bill in Bill O'Brien's era. And to be fair, it's gotten better the last maybe year or so. But winning those division titles, I wouldn't say that that's like a big, like as big of a deal as he makes it out to be. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think division titles suck. Like I think it's 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 a participation trophy, you know, in the grand scheme of things, right? Um, you've got the Titans, the Jaguars, and the Colts have all made it to the AFC Championship game. Um, you've had Andrew Luck retire. You've had the Jaguars' constant revolving door at quarterback. Um, they had their one fluke year. Um, the Titans last year with Derrick Henry and, and Tannehill's success, but before that they weren't really a threat. So I think winning the AFC South wasn't isn't that big of an accomplishment. Yeah, it's great. You know, um, you got to win your division, obviously, or you got to be a wild card to make it into the playoffs. Um, so he's doing a good job of that. But I think getting over that hump, I don't think he's the guy to be able to pull that off. Yeah. Okay. I'm completely with you on that. Um, I guess if I had one more question to ask, this one will be completely on kind of just his abilities as a coach within the game. Would you say he's gotten any better at just literally the most basic things you ask of a coach? Time, clock management, and kind of challenge, I don't know what it's called, challenge flag management, whatever that is. Would you say that that basic task he's, he's gotten any better at over his six years in his coaching? Absolutely not. We've seen countless times where he's gone into the half or approaching the end of the game where he's got timeouts remaining and he doesn't use them. Um, we saw in the playoffs last year where he fumbles the idea of the fake punt in one situation and then runs it into another situation. Um, totally shifting the momentum of the game. I think as somebody in the heat of the moment, um, and when you have, when you're in that position as a head coach, you can't be, you can't be flustered. You've got to be, you got to be cold as ice. You got to have ice in your veins, um, and you've got to be able to make that call to keep your team's momentum rolling, and I just don't think he has that ability. All right. Thank you for your answers, Pat. All right, James. Um, well, Jordan, good job of uh, asking Pat some questions. Uh, James, it's your turn. <clears throat> yeah, I'd like to call Coach to the stand, please. You don't want to, I don't <laughs> want to cross. I took notes, by the way. I don't want to cross. I'd like to bring uh, Cody. To the, I'd like to bring Cody to the stand, please. Go straight to Cody. All right. Um, the defense is going to call their first witness. Hi, Cody. How are you? Hey, buddy. I'm fine. Good. Um, and, and your name is Cody, correct? That's my name. And uh, you're a you. Out to the public, you know, I'm the guy that's like, you know, don't find me or anything. But yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you. We'll ask Preston to bleep some of those. You are a UX designer, correct? But I'm a senior UX. Okay. So let me ask you this: as a senior UX designer, if you weren't given the tools to be able to do your job, how hard would it be to, you know, let's say they just handed you a WordPress and said build you a website, but didn't give you any plugins, didn't give you any APIs, didn't give you the full toolkit for you to be able to build a proper design? How how would you be able to handle that as that being your job? Well, I'm going to say that it was really apt that you didn't name a single tool. I that's fine. That's did. fine. No, no, no. Let's, let's keep going. <laughs> you don't have the tools. You don't have the tools. How, how, how can you build? 
Uh, I mean, it's not, I wouldn't say that it's exactly impossible, but it greatly slows down efficiency and the ability to really build a good product. Interesting. Uh, so uh, let me stop you right there. I don't want to hear any more. Um, <laughs> I'll just leave that. Um, <laughs> could you say that Bill O'Brien maybe has been a UX designer without the proper tools, given that he's had two former GMs that have handicapped his vision of the roster and what the offense should look like? didn't have full control over building an offense around what he specifically feels the offense should look like and taking advantage of Deshaun Watson's strengths? Yeah, I could say that. I mean, um, it's, it's, I could say a common problem not only without having tools in my trade is that not having the consensus or buy-in, and we've had this conversation about how powerful consensus could be. So I could be trying all day to do something that I know is right and that I know will improve the product but have stakeholders who have their own agendas um, who maybe aren't bought into my vision who will be like literal detractors from any progress. If you're stuck in the old ways of how things have been done before, this might shake up things. It might be too expensive to do it. It might take up, it might ruffle too many feathers. I did this personally, so it can't change. There's so many factors of office politics that I have to navigate that impede the way of progress. And that's all what I'm saying is, yes, there's a lot of things that, that we can say. But again, consensus is a big one. Cody, let me ask you this. Could, could you make the argument that Bill O'Brien outperformed his first four years here with the carousel at quarterback and exceeded expectations given who he had at quarterback? Um, yes. Overarchingly, I could say that he probably exceeded expectations for the most part. Um, I think we as a fan base, though, probably got really accustomed to winning really quickly and our expectations grew. I would think that our carousel, TJ Yates, Brandon Weeden, Case Keenan, Brian Hoyer, continue is also a direct rebuttal to the point of the lack of elevation of players from Bill O'Brien that Jordan said as a complete evidence to him elevating players. And then... Jordan, you know you can object. I can object it whenever I want. Oh, okay. I, didn't, I didn't know that. Okay. Um, yeah, who is the, the judge here, and how come he's not sharing the rules at the beginning of the game? Continue. Yeah, I do the whole objection, and then the judge has to give you the ability to object, by the way. I would love to object right now. Do I have your permission, John? Overruled. Um, all right. By the way, I took notes to rebuttal to every point he made. So right. we can get Go ahead, object. Okay, so first let's go back to your whole... Come on, have we not watched TV here? We're going to all have to go... I don't watch court shows. Procedural, like, court show. I don't watch... Objecting to make the witness stop talking. Oh, so I can't counter-argument? Not yet. When you cross-examine, you get to do a counter. Okay, well, I'll I'll let you keep going, Cody. I'll be be a gentleman. All right, well, I I guess I'm being questioned. Thank you. Um... Could you say that due to the fact that he didn't have full control over the personnel and decision-making that he was forced to go into a season with Brock Osweiler as his quarterback? Yeah, that was absolutely not his decision. And I'm pretty sure it's very public that he was quite pissed about it. 
could you say that that potentially played a part in also the lack of draft picks available to him when he did take over, given that he had to also give up a second round to get out of that deal to grab Deshaun Watson for that following season and then another first round? Yes, that is something that has shaped our narrative of a lack of planning for the future. I would, I would agree with that. I would also like to add that I believe the lack of planning for a future is grossly overstated as we only have one year of perceived bad draft pick capital left. Correct. I I would agree. I would agree. That's a great, that's a great uh, choice or statement by you. Um, would you agree that Bill O'Brien has surrounded Deshaun Watson entering this season with all the best offensive talent that he has had since entering this league? I would agree. Uh, yes. Okay. Um, I can leave my point there or I can expand upon it. That's okay. No, just simply yes or no's here would, would be uh, beneficial to the juror. Um, would you say that the Texans are in the best position to win the AFC South yet again and potentially make a deep run based on what you've seen happen so far this off season? Yes or no? Yes, and I'd also like to add I am not afraid of anyone else in the AFC South whatsoever. Not a single team in the South scares me. Thank you, sir. Um, no further questioning, Your Honor. Jordan, your witness. Okay, wait. What do I do now? I ask. Cross-examine. You're going to have Oh, okay. Okay, cool. So this is the kind of like rebuttal part. Yeah, All right. So I'm just going to go with what I remember. Um, started off, you talked about not having the proper, not having the proper tools at Bill O'Brien's disposal. Um, I think it's one thing to not have the right tools. And, you know, actually, I'm not going to argue that. I'll argue a different point. Would you say that... Questions, by the way, too. You can ask us questions. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, would you would you say that Andy Reid had all the tools with the Chiefs to, to win a Super Bowl? Are you asking me this? Yes. Yeah. I would say Andy Reid is almost the exact example we could point to as being a Bill O'Brien-esque coach about someone who's been made fun of his entire career about not being successful and not being able to get to the next level. And only now, because he actually won the Super Bowl, does anyone think that he is successful. For the majority of his entire career, he had the exact same narrative as Bill O'Brien, where he was never going to be taken to the next level. Objection, okay, Your Honor. Uh, leading the witness. Very bad example. <laughs> Okay, well, the fact no, that you're I'm older than you, we're all most of us are older than you. So like, I know his, I know his history. I know his his reputation. Twenty years, and that wasn't really the point of my my question. My my question here is, if you look at the talent on the Chiefs roster in their best year, in their Super Bowl winning year, how much better was that than the same tools that Bill O'Brien was given with this past year? You look at two generational quarterbacks in Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. You look at two very solid O-lines, maybe not elite, but very solid. Great wide receiver corps, three deep at for both teams. Um, running backs, I would say we even have the favor there. And if you look at the defense, the Chiefs' defense was completely trash throughout the entire first half of the season. And you know what they did? They elevated the talent on their defense through coaching and scheme. They didn't make any personnel changes. They didn't add anyone throughout the middle of the season. But their defense went from bottom five to, I think it was top ten by the end of the year, and was really great for them. It was actually a strength of their team. 
And that was nothing to do with they still had the same amount of tools on that team, but they had a better coaching staff that elevates their defense, that elevates their offense. And that's where my point with Andy Reid is versus Bill O'Brien. Are you still talking to me, by the way? Is that a yeah. question? I think your ultimate failure here will be not asking yes or no questions so that way I can give a lot of context. <laughs> so there's a lot to digest here. We're going into the first question was the amount of off, the amount of weapons that Andy Reid has surrounded his team with versus um, Bill O'Brien. Andy Reid has had more control in his organization for long. He's just Patrick From a defensive standpoint, Andy Reid don't have the defense. Andy Reid, you can't give Andy Reid credit for that defense. Whoever, who is their defensive coordinator? Steve Spagnuolo. Steve Spagnuolo. Yeah, like if we're going to give any credit to the defensive turnaround, it's Steve Spagnuolo. Like he implemented a new system for like, like schematic changes halfway through the season of blitzing more and random things like that. I don't follow the Chiefs quite as much as, you know, I follow the Texans, but – I'm not going to give Andy Reid any credit for the defensive turnaround that was the Chiefs, uh, but that's just me. At the same time, you have to give credit for us making changes on those defensive fronts. So, again, you should just stick to yes or no questions with me because we have changed our defensive coordinator. You have moved. We have now we, – we've got our boy that we all love, man. We've got our Rexy Ryan disciple. It's going to be great. We're going to the Super Bowl. Okay, I'm going to finish there because I want to give a chance because I'm also good at sales. Let's do it. <laughs> Oh, my whole reason is I want to. I don't want to just hear yes or no from you. I want this to be a debate. I want to hear your full opinion so I can rebuttal it. So I don't want to paint it how James is painting it and only seeing one side of the argument. I want to be able to argue you back. So that's that's my kind of point of view on this. Um, and to talk to that, um, I would give Andy Reid. And did Andy Reid? I'll ask this question first. Do you guys know if Andy Reid made the Steve Spagnuolo hire? He does, right? He has a lot of personnel. Um, power over that organization. So you have to give him credit for bringing in the right person. And you're right, we could have that in Weaver, but we don't know. And he's a rookie defensive coordinator. And we saw how Mike Rabel dealt as a rookie defensive coordinator. Most injuries. NFL record. Most injuries. Um, anyways, um, what else was I going to ask? What was the last thing that James asked you about? Um, the best offensive weapons surrounding Deshaun Watson. Yeah, that was also a good one for him to keep it to a yes or no question for me. Uh, I forget, actually. Pat, do you have anything to to say? Um, think are you asking this? The are you asking the witness a question, or is there? Can we can we not yeah, lead the witness, please? Move on. All right. We're all we're gonna all have homework this week. We're gonna no, no, we're not. Um, Jordan, uh, closing argument. Perfect. All right. You know, I understand, I understand that it might not be the no the best like organization of how of how a courtroom might might operate. And I've taken a little bit of a different approach here, but you know what? That that's how it is. It's whatever. I think what I've ta- what I've talked about today, it doesn't play on the emotion that James is trying to invoke. I know that's what he's trying to do. And it's a tactic. That's great. But that's the exact emotional approach that Bill O'Brien takes to his job and why he's not good at his job. It's the emotional decisions that lead him 
to making all these bad decisions as a GM to making bad coaching moments in the heat of the moment. If you can't keep your calm, remain um, in the moment and not not have a play call for a, a crucial fourth down in the playoff game, that's just one of numerous examples of Bill O'Brien losing his cool and not being able to rise up to the moment and coach the Houston Texans to success. Now, do I think he could improve? Sure. But we're talking about his results right now and if he should be fired. And I think you have to base that off of what he's done or hasn't done. And for in my mind, he has had no substantial success for this team. He's not elevated the players on the roster. And I just do not see his potential in elevating our team and being the guy to take us to a Super Bowl, which is the ultimate goal. And the defense rest? That's, yeah. that's the prosecution, right? That's the prosecution. Yeah. Okay. All right, James, and your closing argument. Today we walked down the, the path of understanding the approach Bill O'Brien has taken with this team. You've heard different arguments from different people, different thoughts, different visions. But you just heard a closing statement from the prosecution talking about how the emotion is the cause of a lot of issues, but that I tried to play on the emotions. It's somewhat of a double standard. If the head coach is not is an emotionless person, how will he lead those men on the field? How will he get them to battle? How will he get them to perform at an all-time high? If he is just a robot in the locker room, what is he able to really get from his players? Is he fiery? Yes. Does he make emotional decisions that sometimes can look like they were bad at the moment, at the time? Absolutely. But we've all been there. But have we not all as humans been given the chance to learn from our mistakes and be able to build upon those? I see Bill O'Brien as a three-year coach. I don't see him as a six-year coach because he's only had Deshaun Watson for three years. In that time, we've seen what he's been able to do. And now that he's had full control over this team and the personnel and surrounding his quarterback with the offensive weapons that he needs to be successful, I feel that Bill O'Brien has done everything that is needed for this team to succeed. Have we seen it yet? No. But to talk about the prosecution's uh, example of a head coach that did, Andy Reid didn't do it for 20 years. Not saying we need to wait 20 years, but we're only in year six. Is that enough? The prosecution also brought up Brian Flores turning around the Miami Dolphins. Not sure what the expectations are for turning around, but they only won five games last year. I think that Bill O'Brien has done what he can with what he has been given, and I think he has shown that he is emotional and he will react. But he will also never have quitters on his team, and they will always fight on game day. At the end of the day, I'll stand by that coach's side every Sunday, and I rest my case. All right. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you have heard from both James <laughs> on why Bill O'Brien does not necessarily deserve all of our hate, and Jordan on why he is completely deserving of all of our hate. If you just want to put yes or, uh, or put a why, if you agree with James, and a J, if you agree with Jordan, 
a minute to do it before I issue my final my final statement. Jordan, that was good. You did a good job. You're sweating. You're drinking a lot of water. It's okay. <laughs> I'm just talking a lot. I'm not used to talking this much. <laughs> hydrated, you know. Nothing wrong with that. It's all James good. Just so damn good at talking, though. Like he's a salesman. He's got he's got the experience yeah. on me. You know, it's, it's not fair. <laughs> I'm a rookie. My first time on trial. <laughs> That's my first time on trial. <laughs> also, you like definitely should have kept oh. it to yes or no questions for me. Yes. That's why I picked Cody. <laughs> I didn't really know yeah, the hey, Cody, my guy, Cody Johnson. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just thought I didn't really like go with the whole like format of it. I guess I didn't really know exactly what to. Damn, audience. I just wanted to see the. I just want to have a debate. Audience one. Overwhelmingly, this is not a hung jury. Also not fair to Jordan, by the way, because uh, he's he's uh, my guys are gonna rock rock with me, so it's kind of unfair. Oh my guys! This discussion, you never know. I will say this about Jordan: Jordan, you did a fantastic job as a witness. Um, lots and lots of solid information, very solid points. Um, but the point of this is to sway the audience. Um, so. Appreciate everything you said. I probably agree with you, but the jury is willing on the side of James. Um, so we are now sent into at least one more season of Bill O'Brien as our head coach. I'm glad we have that authority. I'm glad that it's out It's done. Authority. I hit the gravel. It's official. Uh, that was actually more fun than I anticipated. It kind of put me in my element, so it's really not fair to Jordan, but. <laughs> so not, actually, it's super not fair for Jordan. We may try to get something else later, but it's practice. Do something a little different because. Oh, shout out! Hold on, real quick. Hold on, real quick. Shout out to my boy Andrew Colebrook, former Googler, great friend of mine, Patriots fan. He's been so supportive of me, like over the last like two years. This dude has been like my rock. Like, thank you, Andrew, for joining the stream. This is the first time I've seen him on the live stream. Sorry, go ahead. Also, we should fire body odor. We should. We should. <laughs> body odor. We should. All right. Uh, yep. You got it. for all. All right. Uh, let's get to uh, question and answers. Cody, Pat, thank you guys for joining the stream. We appreciate it. You guys have a peaceful night. Pat, I will talk to you tomorrow. Yes. And Cody as well. Thank you. Uh, all right. Jordan, if you're okay with with taking on the rest of these questions, I know I kind of kind of wore you down there. I'm so sorry that they pitted me against you. I didn't expect that. I hope our relationship is still intact. Oof, I don't know. I love you. I, I was know. just expecting a little bit more passion, as you are the most adamant yeah. on the Texans unfiltered staff that Bill O'Brien needs to go. I was lukewarm, so I figured you'd be a little bit more passionate than I would, but. You know, your arguments were correct. They I were mean, good. I thought they were good. I was also in a position where I didn't even want to defend Bill O'Brien, so, I mean, I didn't really know what else to do. My whole thing is, like, I i haven't won. I've, okay, I won him fired, but I'm also at the point where I've accepted the fact that he's going to be our coach, he's going to be our GM. So in this past couple of months, I've kind of just, like, my mindset has been kind of switched where I, I want to see the good side of him. I want to see the positives, and so I guess I kind of clouded my – my abilities a little bit, but yeah, I don't know. Um, let's get into the questions here. Yeah, our podcast has corrupted you. 
basically. Damn it, Ignacio! I'm not a. I'm like Dabo Sweeney. Good lord! I sell tech, dude. God! All right. That was a personal shot. That's all right, though. I deserve it. All right. So, um, I, my first question comes here from Texans Report. He asked, "Do you think Eric Reed is still in the play for the Texans?" Um, for me, I think he was a name that obviously there's a lot of interest in, but I don't think at this point they're going to go that direction. I don't think they've completely crossed the name off their list, but if a deal was going to get done, I think it would have been done by now, and the fact that it hasn't, I don't think that they will in terms of Eric Reed. I don't think that they're going to add a safety, to be honest. I think they're going to stick with Eric Murray for the starting safety job. What do you guys think? Yeah, I agree. I think Eric Reed, I think it's easy to associate him with Justin automatically. So, you know, and then Justin comes out mentioning that he's talked to Bill O'Brien about it. Um, you know, I think with Eric Murray, while I, I haven't, we haven't seen enough on tape to feel super comfortable with what Eric Murray is going to bring to this team, but I, I can envision based on the, the small amount of film that I have watched that he will be able to play Justin Reed's role from last season very well. And, you know, it's very interesting that this question came up because me and you have been talking a lot about Justin Reed and a lot of playing single high safety and what he did his rookie year. Um, and the more you watch it, the more you see that he could play that role. And he may not be Earl Thomas, but he can definitely play that role. Um, and I, I think that, that that'll be, that'll be the, the safety duo that we have moving forward. Yep. All right, next question, just so we keep it moving. Again, from Texans Report, he asked, what potential D-line could we sign since the Jernigan deal fell through? So I'll give my, my ranking, I guess. I got Clowney all the way up here. Let me make sure I'm in the camera. All the way up here, Clowney. Then I go, like, Everson Griffin, just a little bit lower. Just a little bit lower. Talented guy. Um, the next, I would probably go Snacks Harrison. Big body, probably the best nose tackle that we could sign. And then I think Mike Daniels is probably the next best option. There's not a whole lot of guys at this point, but those would be my top guys. What about you? Jadavian Clowney will always be number one for anything. Anything. So I don't care what happens. In 10 years, if he's a free agent, he's going to be number one on my free agent list. Um, I, mind, I was actually about to say that. Yeah. Um, 10 years from now, he would still be number one for me. Absolutely. But uh, So then I would go Everson Griffin. Um, and who was the other one? Oh, I was just listing my own guys, Snacks and then Mike Daniels. Yeah, and then I'd probably go Snacks and Mike Daniels. Um, I like Snacks. He had some good film last year. He was hurt. He could potentially bring uh, some interior pass rush and is, is very good against the run. Uh, I think he would fill the void left by DJ Reader and probably even a little bit more from a pass rushing perspective. Um, but, yeah, it goes J.D., Everson Griffin. And, and really, to me, J.D. and Everson aren't so close, aren't, aren't, aren't too far apart in my mind. Uh, the emotional aspect of J.D. makes him higher for me, but I think from a production perspective, I'd be totally fine with uh, with um, with uh, Everson Griffin. Then it would be Snacks, and then it would be Mike Daniels. John? Um, I agree with everything you said, but I'm going to kind of point out something that would be interesting is how about for what we have freed up, we could potentially sign both Snacks and Terry Pole, and that kind of fixes our um, interior defensive line depth issue. Um, it just kind of depends on which way. Oh. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's on. Yeah, he did. He did. Okay. But never mind. I thought that was just going to be fun to talk about. I agree <laughs> with y'all. Um, Perfect. <laughs> All right, so next conversation. Next question comes from Cody Johnson. He's JW Football Talk in the chat. Appreciate you. 
he asks, why did he decide? Why did Bill O'Brien decide to pay Whitney Merciless over DJ Reader? And so, initially, when it was happening, I was definitely in the camp of wanting to pay DJ Reader over Whitney Merciless. I did not agree with his contract. I still don't agree with his contract. But the good thing about it is that we do have an out in his contract for next season. It's basically a two-year deal. I think that's where it's going to end up being. And then maybe he'll he'll go separate ways. Maybe he'll be a coach. I don't know. But the value behind Whitney Merciless isn't as much on the field as it is off the field. He's the team leader of the defense, as cheesy and as cliche as it sounds. He's the glue that holds everyone together. He's a voice in the locker room, a strong voice that Bill O'Brien can trust to push out his vision. And that's what really brought him back over DJ Reader. And then I guess if you want to talk about play on the field, he plays a more valuable position as an edge rusher, someone who plays majority of the snaps, 90% to 100% of the snaps, whereas DJ Reader, being the nose tackle that he is, was playing around like 50% of the snaps. So if you're talking about money and value in terms of that perspective, just getting the player who's still going to make an impact and play more often and be on the field more often for you, that's where I guess I can see where Bill O'Brien's coming from. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. If you look at the age gap between all the edge rushers, you got Merck up here as fairly old and one of the oldest players on the team, and the rest of the edge rushers are all the youngest players on the team. So he's essentially a playing coach, similar to what they did with uh, Jonathan Joseph for the past couple of years. Um, however, I think Reader has such a great future with his ability to really collapse the interior of the pocket that I was actually very upset with the signing of Whitney. However... It is one of those things we just kind of have to accept. And I'm going to one-up y'all. One day we're going to be going President Merciless. He is, I say it every podcast, and I absolutely mean it. If you've never heard him speak, go listen to him speak. Um, he is absolutely a value to the locker room just for that. Um, he will be president before even J.J. Watt. Yeah. Um, I think with Whitney Merciless, uh, while I do think it was a mistake to sign Merck over D.J. Reader. To an extent, I also believe that the position itself is such a premium over a you know two-down defensive tackle in DJ Reader, who really didn't progress as much as you would like to from a pass rushing perspective in, on the interior. Um, I also think it was kind of a makeup deal as well. If you look at the deal that he was signed to prior to that and what he produced, he definitely deserved to get paid more, um, especially given when he signed his original extension. Um, he, he, when he's on the field with J.J. Watt, he, he tends to play extremely well. Like I said last podcast, I think he had four sacks in four weeks along with three forced fumbles and two fumble recoveries. Um, and then when J.J. left, he was pretty much still pass rusher and he wasn't able to do anything. So um, I like Whitney Merciless, and I think that we'll see a different Whitney this year than what we saw last year as long as J.J. Watt can stay healthy. And maybe even if J.J. can't, I think we have enough guys potentially where, where Whitney can get free. Um you know, Rack, when when Whitney was great, it was when Rack was moving him around and, and, you know, doing the diamond defense and things of that nature, lining him up on the nose and stuff like that, uh, getting real creative with him. So, you know, I, I can't fault Reader or Whitney. I think either one, you know, I think paying DJ what Cincinnati paid him, I, I don't – I would not have felt comfortable paying DJ Reader that amount of money. Um, and like Jordan said, really we have an out after the season with Whitney, um, which makes me feel a lot better about the deal. Yeah. The, the saddest part for me is that they really went hand-in-hand hand with their pass rush. When DJ Reader was on for those first four couple of games, he was on. He was bull rushing, collapsing the pocket, and that's what led Whitney Merciless to a lot of his sacks. 
and that's why his production kind of dropped off too. It, it was Watt was definitely a factor, but Reader was a big factor of it too. Um, but yeah, that's the last thoughts we'll talk about on that. Next question we got from Carlos Flores. He asks, expectations for Eric Murray. Who are we kidding? There are none. Nonetheless, playing pretend is fun. Um, so I, I haven't been Eric Murray's biggest advocate. I think you guys know that. But the fact of the matter, just like with Bill O'Brien, he signed. We're stuck with him. He's going to be on the team. And now we just got to look at the positives. And in terms of expectations, if he is going to be the starting safety, it's going to be all about his role on the defense. If they ask him to play a lot of single high, which they shouldn't because they have Jay, Jay Reed for that, if they ask him to play a lot of maybe in the nickel, they shouldn't because we have Roby, we have John Reed, we have Hargraves for that. He's not going to be good there. But if we ask him to just solely play in the box, run, tackle, cover tight ends occasionally, that's where he can actually have some decent value. He can be a tackle machine. And I think that's where we can actually get him to somewhat live up to his contract, which we all know is an overpay, but at least we can get some value out of him there. Yeah, I think with Eric Murray, you know, I I feel like there's something there that we just don't see yet. Um, and this is one of those things where, like, I have to feel comfortable just trusting Bill O'Brien in his evaluation of the player because there's something there for him to get that contract value. They must see a role for him. Um, I do think that it's going to play kind of what we've been speaking about with him just kind of taking over Justin Reed's role last year, um, playing in the box, maybe occasionally dropping back in zone, maybe covering t- um, tight ends and running backs out of the backfield. But outside of that, I just, you know, I, I think he can fill that role and be fine. We're not going to be asking him to do much in coverage outside of those two areas. And if that's the case, I, I think he, I, he's a sure tackler. Uh, he's not scared to make contact. He's a big hitter. Um I, I feel comfortable with it. I, I, you know, there's always that one deal that a team makes where you look back and you're like, oh, wow, we totally mocked that deal. And then that player just shows up and ends up being a player for the team. I wouldn't be surprised if Eric Murray is that player. I mean, he hasn't really had a shot at really starting and, and, and making his presence known. And uh, maybe the scheme specifically will fit what he does. It's very similar to Tyron Matthew leaving us and going to Kansas City. I would bring up two points as kind of like counter, or not necessarily counters, but just two additional points. First off, um, Eric Murray is a godsend in Madden. So, you know, there's at least one positive right now. If you play Madden, he's really good at it. The second point was a player named Matt Khalil. Um, Last year, the Texans proved, especially Bill O'Brien proved, that they'll give somebody a shot during training camp, but if they're they're not going to work out, they'll be very aggressive to replace them. So Murray... I mean, he's coming in. He's got a, but he's. I mean, there's a contract, but it's just money. He is still relatively low risk. There wasn't any draft capital invested into him. If he comes into training camp and he looks awful, which is what the consensus outside of Houston seems to think that he will, then the Texans will move on. They will find somebody else. There's plenty of players out there that can play box safety that are available. So he's low risk. He's still young. Um, They saw something in him in tape, and if it doesn't work out. They'll replace them, so I'm not not too worried about them. And real quick, uh, Cody, your follow-up question, do you all think the Texans would have had to sign Reader to what since he signed him to keep him in Houston? I do because he was not a fan of of Bill O'Brien. They did not get along. And you also have to take into consideration, like, a player like Reader, this is probably the last big contract he would get. So I would assume that he is going to take the highest offer that he could get as a player. Just my thoughts. I don't know what you guys' thoughts are. 
Yeah, I think so too. I didn't I didn't know too much about his relationship with Bill O'Brien, but I I can't see him taking a discount, especially when Bengals literally made him the highest paid nose tackle in the game, like a, a record setting contract. So yeah. All right, moving on. Next question comes from Derek. He asks, what do you think happened with Jernigan? Texans just want someone else. So we've kind of talked about this before. They just decided to go separate ways. They have a different move lined up. We don't know an exact name, but we've, we've talked about our, our top targets. Um, it was unfortunate that it couldn't happen, but I mean, Jernigan, he, he was he was a nice signing, but he wasn't going to be someone who make, made or break our defense. You know, he's, he's going to be a solid role player, but we can find other guys there. There's even better players available right now. So I don't look at this deal falling through as, as the end of the world at all. Yep, no, I, I would agree. I don't really have anything else to add to that. Yep. All right, next one comes from Dinosaur FN. He asks, what rookie are you most excited for, and do you think Watson has a better or worse year than last? Wow, okay. Start with the first part of that question. For me, most excited rookie since we've been since the draft, it's been Jonathan Goodard. He's been my favorite pick. Gave it an A plus, ten out of ten, whatever. Um, I just think he can he's the most day one ready rookie for us. And getting that in the third round is great value. He can he's strong in the run game. He can start at the three four outside linebacker to replace Brandon Scarlett. He's one of my he was so good at pass rushing in college and winning without elite athleticism. And the fact that he's able to have such high technique and nuanced te- technique as someone coming out of college, have all these different counter moves. You guys might have saw on his, um, his fake spin, DeMarcus Ware, kind of pass rush move there. That, that was insane. He just has such a wide um, array of pass rush moves. I really think it's going to translate to the NFL. I believe in his ability a lot. And so, yeah, Grenard's my guy for sure. What about you guys? Yeah, my guy would be uh, John Reed. Uh, I think that what he brings – what, John? <laughs> That's what I was going with. Well, I'm sorry. Dude, we're like an old married couple at this time. Well, I mean, we know each other. Uh, yeah, John Reed. I mean, I, th- I just think that that slot position is going to be a battle. Uh, you can play him outside. You can play him inside. He's, he's a tough little guy that just wants to fight. Um, doesn't give up on the plays. Uh, has very good instincts. Uh, great footwork. Um, you know, when we were watching um, Micah Parsons, you know, we couldn't stop but seeing, you know, we couldn't help but see, you know, John Reed pop out on film. Um, he was contested catches. I think it's going to be very interesting to see what they do with him. I hope that he gets the slot position uh, and we can roll with Roby and um, and Conley outside and then bring Lonnie in on dime sets. But, uh, yeah, uh, John Reed. So I guess I'll just go for us, Blackhawk, because nobody else talked about him. Um, he's a very, very athletic defensive lineman, actually similar athleticism to Grenard, and Grenard actually plays linebacker. That's just to kind of put it in perspective. Uh, Blacklock, very violent. Um, he showed a lot more. Um, he showed a lot more juice his senior year than he did his earlier seasons. So I think that he is going to play defensive end and the NFL, and that is, would still be the one question I would have for Reaver. What position is he going to pay, play? What do you imagine him doing? What do you imagine his responsibilities? Um, but, I mean, he's a, was our highest-picked person, so, of course, everybody should be excited about him. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of love at Blacklock. I think he's ready day one to stuff the, run, the hell out of the run and fill that DJ Reader role. And then he also has a crazy high ceiling because of his athleticism. So excited to see what he got. And now the second part of the question that Dinosaur FN asked, 
Do you think Deshaun Watson will have a better or worse year than last? And I hope this is a consensus here, but Deshaun Watson's definitely going to have a better year than his last year. He's a guy who we know he's a worker. We know he's constantly looking to get better, to improve upon any weakness in his game. And if you just look at the amount of growth he's made since Clemson till his rookie year to the next year till now, it's insane. And I think he's going to get even better. We kind of forget that he's not a finished product right now. He's still a young guy. This is really He's really only going into his like third and a half, I guess, season in the NFL. And I think he's going to have a hell of a year, an MVP level year for sure. I I agree. He's going to... He's going to improve. My point's short. That's why I'm going to cut in before James. Also to make sure he doesn't say what I'm about to say. I think the biggest thing for Deshaun is becoming more self-aware. I don't want to necessarily say that he needs to humble himself. I said that a couple times on last year's podcast, but I think a better way of looking at it is just being more self-aware of what he's capable of doing. Um, I don't want him to lose that edge where he thinks he's Superman, but as he kind of matures a little bit, he'll become more aware of when he needs to give up on a play, more aware of when he doesn't need to necessarily go for the deep ball, uh, go for the safer pass, use his tight ends, use his running backs, and that'll lead bigger numbers and more progression for him. Yeah, I mean, I've been on record. I I, I think Deshaun's going to have an incredible year. Um, I think the weapons are a big piece. I think just a I think as he matures as a person is gonna play a part. Um I, I just think that who he is and the way he's developed since entering the league, um it, it's almost impossible for him to not have a better year in my opinion. And uh given the fact that he has more weapons, uh potentially a better run game, uh with the pairing of Duke and David, uh who both can run, um I think it's very. I, I, I think he's just. It's going to be one of those breakout years where people around the league and national media are going to start to see a little bit more about Deshaun Watson and what he's truly capable of. And everybody in Houston will be like, "So you guys are just now getting caught up." Yeah, definitely for sure. So before we get into my last question here from you guys, um, we should probably answer Alex Patel, a great Patreon member. His question he asked: Who has a better year, Deshaun Watson, Lamar Jackson, or Dak Prescott? I think it's going to be easy for us. Sean Watson, he's going to have a better year statistically and also leading to his leading his team to more wins and deeper in the playoffs, in, in my opinion. I agree. I, I agree. can't so, do anything else. Lamar Jackson will not have the year that Sean does, but we may play them in the AFC Championship. I think we play the Bills, but go yeah. ahead. Definitely scared of the Ravens. But All right, so the last question comes from Nacho Day Bro, Nacho Day Bro, also a Patreon member in the Discord. He asked this question, so if you guys get on to our Patreon, you can ask any questions in the Discord, and we will answer them on the show. So he asked honest answers, not Homer answers, and over under. So he listed a bunch of scenarios here. We're going to take the over or under on them. First one is Deshaun Watson, 4,000 passing yards, 26 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. I'm going to go over on the passing yards, over on the touchdowns, 11 interceptions. I'd probably go over just because – so my my reasoning for this is in terms of volume. He's going to have – they're moving to a passer heavy, passing heavy scheme. That's how it's been – that's how the personnel is looking. And so just with more of this like vertical, deep passing game, he's going to put up more yards. He's going to put up more touchdowns, but then he's also bound to throw more interceptions just by the nature of passing more. What do you guys think? Yeah, no, I think uh, over on on passing. Actually, I'll, can we like say at 
I, I, like I think I guess technically he'll be under. I don't think he's thrown over four thousand yards yet. I think he's reached like thirty six and thirty eight or something like that. Um, so I'll say over. Um, I, I do think over twenty six touchdowns. Um, and I actually think that he cleans up the interceptions this year, um, even with the volume. I still think that. Um, given the weapons and given the dump-offs that will be available with Duke and David, uh, I think that he cleans that up. So I would actually say under 11 uh, interceptions. All right, yes. John. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, yes. okay. Like all of that. It, all of it. I mean, even the interceptions, if that's over, I'll take that and I'll be happy. Uh, my prediction is I'm going to say over on the yards just because we are going more passer heavy, uh, giving them more weapons. Um, there's going to be less reliance on the run game. Um, touchdowns, though, are we including rushing and passing touchdowns? Um, it didn't specify. I assumed I passing. The ones that he creates. Yeah. Okay, I'll go over with that. And then okay. interceptions. He threw, so just for reference, he threw eight in his rookie year, nine the year after, and then 12 this past year. Yeah, and his volume went up from his rookie year to his next year. However, last year, if you look at his difference between 2019 and 2018, the biggest difference is he had more interceptions. Uh, He was getting more aggressive. I would actually say that, I want to say that 11 sounds about right. Um, Less than an interception a game, but I think that he's going to be hyper aggressive with more volume. I do think that he's going to be smart because he has shown improvement in, in that aspect. But, yeah, he's, interceptions are always going to be a part of his game, is my guess. For sure. That's just who he is. All right, moving on to the next one. J.J. Watt, over under 10 games played. Um, unfortunately, I'm going to have to take the under on it. I just We haven't seen enough out of Watt to stay healthy. And as every year goes on, it's just going to get worse. And then the other one for me is, or for him, that he asks is 12 sacks or tackles for loss. Um, because he's going to play less than 10 games, in my opinion, I'm going to have to go in under that for sure as well. Um, if he stays on the field, he's going to put up double-digit sacks for sure, but it just it's hard to believe in that right now. I'm going to stay over. Uh, I think that J.J. plays a full season. Uh, he is looking for that last contract and wants to show that he is worth it, whether it's here or somewhere else. Uh, I'll stay over on the 12.5 sacks as well. I don't want to jinx this because we get a healthy Watt. Yeah, dangerous. This guy's the absolute limit. I mean, I personally believe that the main reason that Clowney would have benefited us against Kansas City is it would have kept um, J.J. from being winded, and then we beat Kansas City. And if we beat Kansas City, we played in the Super Bowl last year. Yep. That's all because J.J. got winded. So I don't want to speak anything into existence whether him getting hurt or him being healthy. I don't want to put that on the universe. I'm going to be... If he plays the sacks, yeah, it's going to be over. That's just the big if, and I don't want to predict an injury. I can't. Yeah, it's tough for sure. So moving on to the next one, Will Fuller, 49 receptions and seven touchdowns. I'm going to go over for both. I don't know. I just have this weird feeling that Fuller, this is his year. It's going to happen. He's been training. We've seen him training him, training over the offseason. People are saying he looks bigger. He looks stronger. So I'm confident in his ability. He, he's finally got everything figured out um, and that he's going to stay healthy and go off this year. I'm expecting like over 1,000 yards for sure, over 10 touchdowns. That's what I'd put for Fuller. 
over and over. Uh, I think he has 1,400 yards. I think this is like, I think, crazy, crazy. And people are going to look at this as a hot take. I think by the end of this season, people will forget who DeAndre Hopkins is because of how good Will Fuller actually is. I really do. I think Will Fuller is the capability to be that good as a wide receiver that he'll volume-wise, yard-wise, touchdown-wise, highlight-wise, I think we're going to see a lot of different things. And I think that the home run threat that people think he is, well, he is. He is so much more. And I think that that will be what is seen this season. So... I'm going to say over on both. I, if Will Fuller plays, he's going to score touchdowns. Just Deshaun's numbers with Fuller on the field are just obscene. So if Will Fuller plays, he's going to score touchdowns, and he's going to score a lot of them. And same sort of thing. I don't want to talk about injuries because that's the only thing that's going to stop him. If he doesn't have any injuries, I'm, I will predict 70 receptions. Yeah, him and Watson definitely have like a video game-like connection. It's crazy. So the next one is Brandon Cooks, 84 receptions. That's a lot. Wow. And nine touchdowns. So I was a pretty big fan of the Brandon Cooks trade. I saw the upside of it, and the potential with him is sky high. 84 receptions, nine touchdowns. If he stays healthy, if the concussions aren't too much of a deterrent, he plays 15, 14, 15, 16 games, he'll hit that for sure. Brandon Cooks is a is a really great talent, and his last year with Jared Goff was a down year, but that had nothing to do with him. That was solely the Rams' offense and Jared Goff being trash and regressing and showing who he really is. And his deep ball accuracy, I'm sure you guys have seen the stats, was nothing compared to Deshaun Watson's elite deep ball accuracy, which is second in the league behind only Russell Wilson. And so their connection, I'm so excited to see it. He's going to ball out for sure. I'm going to say over on, on both as well, or over on uh, receptions, but under on touchdowns. I don't think he'll be used oh, yeah. in the red zone, to be honest. I think we'll see a lot more of Fells, Akins, uh, Fuller, Cobb, David Johnson, Duke Johnson. So I think that he won't have the TDs to show for it, but I agree with you. I don't think people realize how bad Jerry Goff actually was last year. Um, yeah. I don't think they realize how bad the Rams' offense, actually, offensive line was actually last year. So, I uh, yeah, I would go with, with the over on the receptions. So on Twitter, I can't remember the guy. I was trying to look him up real quick. Somebody pointed out that Deshaun Watson, but on passes between 20 yards and 40 yards, most accurate in the league by far. Um, passes in excess of 40 yards, he drops off hard. That's why he's not the number one deep passer in the league. But between 20 and 40 yards, he's extremely accurate. Um, so what I would say is I would go up on the touchdowns on Cooks, but I will go down on the amount of receptions. I would see him and Fuller both getting around 70 receptions. I think uh, Cooks is actually going to end up with a couple of rushing touchdowns. I would say he ends up with three rushing touchdowns this year. Yeah, that's a great point. I do think they're going to kind of spread wealth around. I think they're both going to get around 70 catches. Stills might get around 40, 50, same with Cobb. So I can see where you're coming from from that. And definitely his running, his ability to take just sweeps and just – he's crazy with the ball in his hands for sure. I've seen that a lot from this film. So the last part of Stude's question, Nacho De Bro asked – um, for the Houston Texans, over under 10 wins, 24 average points per game, and 384 total points. So with 10 wins, I'm taking the over. I think we're going to go 11-5, and 12-4, depending on injuries. 
24 average points per game. I think we're way over that. I think we'll be in the 30s, to be honest. The potential of this offense, as long as everyone stays healthy, it's going to be insane. Top five offense, top three offense even. And then 384 total points. I don't I don't know a whole lot about total points, but I'm assuming if I'm going to take the over on 24 average points a game, I'm going to take over for the other one as well. Yeah, same. Uh, I'll go over on the average or on the wins. I think 11 and 5, 12 and 4. Um, I do think that we will average over 24 points. I think it'll be about 27 or 28. Um, and then I take the over on the 384 as well. You know, we're going to be that team that, even though we were a division winner next year, we're going to be the team that came out of nowhere. There's a team every year that gets absolutely dumped on by the national media and then comes out and just overperforms expectations. That's us. And we won the division last year. And, yeah, we're going to win 11. We could fall. When you look at the schedule and the way it lines up, we could fall into 11 wins. Uh, just have to survive the first three weeks without falling apart. Um, I'm going to predict 31 points per game for our offense. I think that's actually a pretty conservative bet. Um, I could see us scoring more uh, relatively easy. If we score less than 31, I will be absolutely amazed. I will take 31, and I would actually probably take that to Vegas. So total points, yeah, we'll crush that. Awesome. Yeah, so those are all the questions I had. Awesome. All right, last one from uh, from the YouTube uh, stream. Do you all see Carter being beat out of – uh, for return duties this upcoming season, I feel like Coulter should be given an opportunity. Honestly, uh, want someone like Jacoby Jones, and I think he would fit that role. Um, I think Tyler Simmons gives DeAndre Carter a run for his money, but I think ultimately DeAndre Carter beats out Tyler Simmons because of his ability to do things on the field when called upon. I think that's an un- I think that's a part of DeAndre Carter's game that people tend to not think enough about. When his name is called, he goes on the field and he's able to make plays. He knows the offense, and he's done it for the last two years. I know we're all holding on to the fumble in the playoff game and just want to get rid of it, and I totally understand the emotion and sentiment behind it, but I don't think DeAndre Carter is as bad as what people want him to be. Uh, I think he was top five in yards on return for punts and kickoffs. Um, So... I don't think DeAndre Carter is as bad as we want him to be, but if anybody does beat him out, it will be Tyler Simmons. Yeah. Jordan. Yeah. I love what I, yeah. I, love what I saw from him in Georgia. He's electric. And like, like you said, like DeAndre Carter, in my opinion, he's a better receiver than he is a returner. And he's a solid returner. It's just the fumbles. But like, like you said, the average per um, return is great. And I think Simmons is a guy we want to try and – hide on our practice squad and hopefully have him for next year and then he can take over because Bill Brown, just, he's not going to trust the rookie right now with such an important and pivotal position on special teams. If you don't trust DeAndre Carter catching the ball, you're not going to catch a, you're not going to trust a rookie, honestly, who hasn't, he's had some um, experience with it in college with Georgia, but he, it's not the same as NFL, you know, so. Yeah, I mean, Simmons is a super gadget player. Yeah. Um, he's not as polished as a route runner. Um, especially for a receiver coming from a big school like that. But he's one of those guys, you just give him the ball, good things will happen. I would say in a normal year, he would have a very good chance of of giving DeAndre Carter a run for his mon- money. Uh, normal year? Maybe. This is not a normal year. Um, I would watch out. Um, Simmons, he's going to have turf toe or he's going to have like an achy shoulder or there's something that's going to magically pop up about that second preseason game. And he's going to be on IR and we'll see him next year. Yep. No, I agree. Yep. Awesome. Well, Jordan, thank you for uh, the questions, and thank you for your 
uh, input and all of everything that you do for us, but obviously for the podcast tonight. Um, I want to uh, shout out Alex Patel, uh, Brian, um, Chad Wimmer, Cody, J.D. Buffbell, Nacho Debro, Preston, Riejo. Uh, we appreciate all your support on Patreon. Thank you guys so much. Uh, if you guys are interested in supporting Texans Unfiltered, uh, go to patreon.com backslash Texans Unfiltered. Choose a tier that fits best for you. Uh, our Patreon content for tonight, we're going to talk about uh, and recap Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh, and then we will also be doing some other things. So thank you for your continued support. I hope all of you stay safe out there. Um, special thanks to our writing team, Jordan and Dylan and Preston, for all you guys do. We couldn't function and get to where we want to go without you guys. Where to find us? You can follow us on Instagram and tw- uh, Twitter at HoustonFBPod. You can follow me on Twitter at IamYoungAriGold. Uh, don't forget to follow Jordan at Texans underscore thoughts and Dylan at Texans underscore draft on Twitter as well. Please take a minute, follow us, uh, subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, write a review, tell a friend about us. That's the best way to support the pod. Make sure you go to the website, uh, TexansUnfiltered.com. And Jordan, I guess before we get out of here, why don't you tell, talk a little bit about what you have coming up on the website this week? Yeah, so tomorrow is Wednesday, so I'll have my Watson watch last three games of his 2017 season, he played the Chiefs, he played the Browns and the Seahawks, and in those three games he threw up, he threw 12 touchdowns in three games, which is absolutely insane. So that was a really fun article to write. And then on Thursday I'll have part two to my Anthony Weaver um, series. I put part one up today, kind of showing two formations that he could take from Rex Ryan and how that can help our run defense. But part two will be focusing on all the different blitz packages he can take from Ryan, who has known to have some pretty creative and exotic blitzes. So... That, that'll be exciting for sure. And then next week, next week, I just have a ton of Justin Reed content showing his 2018 season, 2019 season, everything about his game, his coverage ability to play single high, all the versatility that he brings to play all over the defense, his great tackling, everything. So it's just going to be a week full of Justin Reed content next week. So if you like him, you're in store. You're in luck. Awesome. Great. All right. And with that being said, you guys can follow us wherever you guys find your podcast on your favorite platform. I am Yungari Gold signing off for Texans Unfiltered. Jordan, John, thank you again, and we'll catch you guys next week. Loved this episode of Texans Unfiltered? We'd love for you to be a Patreon supporter. Your support allows us to provide you with the best Texans podcast possible. You can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at HoustonFBPod and everywhere podcasts can be found. And join our community on www.texansunfiltered.com or on Discord at Texans Unfiltered. Thank you for listening. Until next time.